This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. We love our coffee. Americans consume over 400 million cups of coffee per day. 64% say they drink at least one cup per day, while the average consumption is just over three per day. Coffee is a big business. Each year, retail coffee revenues total $36 billion in the United States alone. With me today is Dr. Donald Hensrud, a physician in preventive medicine and the medical director for the Mayo Clinic Healthy Living Program here in Rochester. This podcast will discuss what's brewing in the world of coffee and uh, if there are actually any grounds to consider it a health food. This podcast is brought to you by the Mayo Clinic. Welcome, Don. Happy to be here, Daryl. Well, it seems like most of what we've heard about the effects of coffee on our health has uh, not really been all that positive, but is that actually true? Are there any health benefits from drinking coffee? You probably hear the same thing that I do, that some of my patients come in and they say, well, Doc, I'm drinking too much coffee. And I say, why is that? And they say, well, it's not good for you. If you really look at the data on coffee, that's just the opposite. There have been two uh, meta-analyses published within the past year, and they're both pretty consistent that there are quite a few health benefits of, of coffee. This ranges from type 2 diabetes mellitus, reducing the risk, reducing the risk of liver disease and liver cancer, Parkinson's disease, decreased risk of depression, decreased risk of most cancers, improved cognitive function, decreased reaction time, uh, and the list goes on. So overall, from a health standpoint, coffee is a quite healthy beverage. That sounds pretty encouraging. Are, are, Are there any risks? to our health from drinking coffee? There are. Uh, It can give problems with uh, conception at large amounts in in women who are trying to become pregnant. Large amounts may increase the risk of miscarriage. And interestingly, the offspring of uh, children who are born to women who consume coffee have a higher risk of acute leukemia. There has been some recent publicity about acrylamide in coffee. Uh, In California, they have uh, put through a judgment that coffee needs to be labeled as possibly increasing the risk of cancer because of the acrylamide in coffee. I'd suggest that the data do not support this at all, and in fact, it's just the opposite. If you look at the data on coffee and cancer, the vast majority of cancers are decreased by uh, coffee intake. This includes pancreatic cancer, uh, prostate cancer, and many others. The one exception is uh, gastric cancer, but there may be an alternative explanation for that because coffee does uh, increase the risk of gastroesophageal reflux disease symptoms, which may predispose to gastric cancer. The reason that acrylamide has come under fire uh, and coffee has come under fire is that acrylamide is a compound that's produced when sugars and amino acids are heated at high temperatures, such as when occurs when coffee is roasted. This also occurs when producing French fries and potato chips. However, the amount of acrylamide in coffee when produced, uh, when roasted, is extremely small. And so the outcome studies do not support an increased risk of cancer from coffee. So I think this uh, new ruling in California is uh, uh, not supported by scientific evidence and not a good idea. Mm. 
You mentioned uh, gastroesophageal reflux associated with coffee. Is it is it something in the coffee, or is it related to the caffeine? Well, both the health effects and the side effects, which we can talk about, uh, are related to probably caffeine, but there are other compounds in coffee that may contribute as well. In fact, there are literally hundreds and maybe even a couple thousand different compounds in coffee that may contribute to its health beneficial health effects. Among people who consume coffee, it's the largest source of antioxidants in the diet, which many people don't realize. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about caffeine, because that's, I think, a lot of reason many people drink coffee. Uh, does decaffeinated coffee have the same health benefits as caffeinated coffee? Some studies suggest this. For example, with type 2 diabetes mellitus, the risk is decreased with both caffeinated and decaffeinated coffee, and that suggests that it isn't the caffeine, it's something else in coffee that is providing this benefit. Interestingly, the data on type 2 diabetes mellitus uh, it is a dose-response relationship up to five to six cups per day. In other words, increasing consumption up to five to six cups a day decreases the risk of type 2 diabetes mellitus. So it's these other compounds besides caffeine that contributes to this beneficial effect. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, Dr. Hensrud is the course director for our 18th annual Nutrition and Wellness Conference to be held this September in San Antonio, Texas. Explore all the Mayo Clinic CME options at ce.mayo.edu. I've had patients who complain of urinary frequency, uh, yet they're consuming, you know, eight to ten cups of coffee per day. Um, so we know that caffeine can be a bladder irritant. Are there other effects that we can expect from coffee? You mentioned the GE reflux. Anything else? Absolutely, and people are familiar with this. I'd term this more side effects rather than health effects. In other words, the health data are pretty clear. It's beneficial on reducing the risk of many conditions. These side effects include, as you pointed out, gastroesophageal reflux disease, urinary symptoms, particularly in men who are predisposed, uh, insomnia, a problem sleeping, palpitations in some people, and some of us who've had a little bit too much can even get a little bit irritable <laughs> from too much caffeine. So. There are many side effects, and, it, and people vary in their susceptibility uh, to these side effects. Don, does everybody experience the same effects from caffeine? No, they don't. Uh, some people are more susceptible uh, than others. Caffeine is metabolized genetically, and some people are fast metabolizers, and some people are slow metabolizers. Slow metabolizers may be more susceptible to the side effects of caffeine and, and possibly to, uh, to the health effects as well. But that explains why my wife can have a cup of coffee before she goes to bed and it doesn't bother her. And if I have a cup in the late afternoon, I'm up all night. So I'm a, a slow metabolizer and she's a fast metabolizer. So that difference in metabolism probably explains the difference uh, in side effects with people. If somebody does experience side effects, that should probably be the limiting factor in their caffeine and coffee intake. As long as people aren't having side effects, I have a tough time uh, telling people and recommending that they cut down on their coffee. But if they are, obviously they should taper and, and get to a level where they're not experiencing those side effects. Do we know much about the effects of caffeine in patients who may have, say, paroxysmal atrial fibrillation? Does this predispose them to go into uh, atrial fibrillation? Probably not. 
the, the data aren't entirely clear, and, and some studies suggest that despite common belief that there isn't a very strong effect on atrial fibrillation. Maybe it may be individual. Uh, as I mentioned, some people are more predisposed than others to these effects, and benign palpitations may increase, but there, there doesn't seem to be a strong relationship with atrial fibrillation. Okay. How about those with hypertension? Is coffee something that should be avoided, or does it matter? Uh, good question. And in people who don't consume coffee regularly, uh, co coffee and caffeine does increase blood pressure a little bit. However, what's interesting is that tolerance develops over time. And a study at, uh, out of Mayo Clinic, with some of our colleagues here, and at other places show that chronic intake of coffee does not increase the risk of hypertension nor raise blood pressure very much. So the moral of the story here is if you do drink coffee, uh, drink it in amounts that don't cause side effects and probably drink it regularly so you do develop tolerance to some of these effects. Mm -hmm. In patients that we recommend uh, cutting back on coffee, uh, what would be the effects of suddenly stopping all intake of coffee, especially in those who have a fairly high intake? Uh, another good question, and uh, I and you and probably others have seen people with weekend headaches where they consume large amounts of coffee during the week and, and not much on the weekends. Uh, coffee is mildly addictive, and one of the signs of when you cut down right away is headaches uh, can occur. So if somebody is cutting down because they're having side effects, they may want to just slowly taper their intake over, over time to prevent that. Has, has coffee ever been used in management of headaches? I, I know that some of the headache compounds uh, contain caffeine. Um, how about just using coffee as part of a treatment program for patients with either chronic migraines or even tension-related headaches? Yeah, I'm not aware of the individual studies on coffee and caffeine. They, there probably are some, but you're right. It's, you, it's often combined with an analgesic, uh, and it does seem to potentiate the effect of the analgesic with, in people with headaches and with uh, migraines. Okay. I imagine coffee uh, would be pretty low in calories. Is that a is that a fair statement? Uh, it is. There aren't any, hardly any calories at all in coffee. However, what we add to our coffee can add up quite significantly. And in fact, there are some coffee drinks that contain hundreds, even uh, up to 500 calories or more if people add sugar and cream and things like that. So although coffee itself doesn't contribute to increased uh, uh, energy intake and increased weight, what we add to it certainly can. So a uh skinny mocha latte uh, is kind of a misnomer, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Probably. Well, we've been talking about the risks and benefits of drinking coffee with Dr. Donald Hensrud, a physician in preventive medicine and the medical director for the Mayo Clinic Healthy Living Program here in Rochester. Thank you for your time, Don. If you've enjoyed this Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, we invite you to subscribe. Mayo Clinic delivers more CME offerings nationwide. Find your next conference at ce.mayo.edu. You've been listening to Mayo Clinic Talks. Stay healthy and see you next week.